one question. What if this doesn't work as advertised? How might that happen? And what might the impact? Uh, you, a lot of people would be saved a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson. And per usual, I am joined by Rachel Sass. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well myself. Trying to stay out of trouble. And so I had to flee Tucson. Um, <laughs> you know, it's nothing personal against Tucson, but it was just very hot. And mm-hmm. I wanted to go somewhere not as hot. You you got out at the right time. Exactly <laughs> the right time. Well, but you're gonna miss you but you're gonna miss monsoon season though. And that's like the one exciting time of the year, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I'm going to come back. I'm not going to be gone forever. <laughs> Hopefully I'll catch the end of monsoon season. There you go. There you go. So you're up in the mountains. You're in nice, cool weather, right? Right now it's cool. I'm in Oregon and the last few days uh, were very hot. Actually, the the first couple of days we were here, it was about as hot here as it was in Tucson. <laughs> and at certain moments, it was hotter here than Tucson because I think Tucson was getting a little bit of rain. So that element to the trip didn't work out exactly as planned. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of like atypical weather to the degree of 20 to 30 degrees above average kind of oh, temperatures gosh. up here. But uh, it's a little cooler now. And and the thing that people don't uh, give due credit is that they have a bunch of trees up here. And we don't have trees in Arizona. So when it's nope. hot in Arizona, it's just hot. It's not like there's shade. It's just hot. And it mm-hmm. is a whole is a whole totally different situation when you actually have shade to sit in. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. I yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. It's it's a critical element. People forget about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Our our shade is like a few little sticks off of a tree. You're like, hey, there's a tree in the parking lot. Let's let's park under the tree. And it's like, yeah, three little sticks basically cover your car and makes makes a ton of difference, but it, it's not really true shade. No, it is not. Yeah, we don't really have trees that throw off uh, copious amounts of shade. No. <laughs> well, uh, in order to uh, liven up the conversation, not be too sad about shade and heat, I thought that today we would chat with with our friend Trey Andrew. Trey is a wealth advisor at Carson Wealth in Tucson. Trey's a friend of ours, somebody that we like a lot, and somebody we're very excited to chat with today. So Trey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Did I did I uh, properly state your CV, or do you need to correct the record in some way? Hmm. Well, no, I don't need to correct the record necessarily. At some point, I will need to give a legal disclaimer, which I know everybody's waiting on pins and needles for, um, but uh, we, we can roll that in at any time. Okay, go for it. Let's hear it. We love legal discla- so, disclaimers. You're, well, you're with the right well, people. I thought you might. I thought you might. Uh, so the opinions voiced by yours truly, uh, Brett, Rachel, uh, for, is for general purposes only. It is only for information, not intended for specific advice or recommendation to or for any individual. To determine what may be or may not be appropriate for you, please consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor. Also, Brent and Rachel, and I have no business affiliation together, and neither Brent nor Rachel uh, are affiliated with Carson Wealth or Soterra Advisor Networks. All right. Yes, that. that is all very true. All very true. Uh, <laughs> perfect. That was a great disclaimer. You guys have good compliance people. Yes, and you're welcome, Carla, if you end up listening to this. Uh, yeah, thanks for the last minute. Yeah, shout out to Carla. Well, give it. Give us at least a little bit of a, a 
kind of background or, or the listeners a little bit of a background on kind of the typical clients that you work with and the type of work that you do with them? Absolutely. So uh, historically speaking, I've, I've focused almost exclusively on business owners and physicians with my former firm. But when I moved to Carson Wealth, it, it's more, I would say, still in the business owner mindset or uh, client base, but it's more of the retiree. Uh, so think 55 or better is a lot of our client base. Uh, we do have some, some folks sprinkled throughout income earners and those types of things. I would say that that's generally who we work with. And how I come alongside them is try to help them find ways to make and save money, looking to optimize uh, what they have and um, yeah, see what we can do. Sounds like a lot like what we do. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome. Well, so Trey, we're happy to have you on here. And I thought today, let me know if this sounds okay with the two of you, that we would talk about kind of financial planning for the retirees, kind of for, you know, life 2.0, right? And you've you've worked your life, you've done very well for yourself, you are contemplating retirement, you're about to get into it and enjoy the life, travel the world, do everything that you've been saying you're going to do your whole life and spend all that good money. So kind of what that kind of consists of, how you can still earn income in retirement, um, what's the best way to invest your money to make sure that you know, you're not being as risky as you were when you were 30 and 40 years old with your money, making sure you're saving it, um, you know, how you make the transition and just kind of go from there. So how does that sound? It sounds great. All right. So uh, before we jump into that, though, Rachel, I just want to say congratulations and well done on your speech for our graduation from Greater Tucson Leadership recently. I also <laughs> had no idea that you were a former uh, Miss Arizona for the United States. That's pretty awesome. And uh, I don't know if you have any dirt on Brent, like if he's a champion yodeler or maybe a closet ukulele player. I, I don't know. But if I find out that he's like a hacky, salt, a hacky sack Hall of Famer, uh, I will I'll give you money for that. So uh, I do know he stomped four putt at the Southern Arizona State Planning, uh, meeting about two years ago. So I do know that. Any, any dirt on, on Brent, on what his uh, former life entails <laughs> or current? I love it. I love it. Um, hmm. Let me see what kind of dirt can I dig up on you, Brett? I, there's not too much. I don't, I don't know. These, he's a really good guitar player. So for anyone who doesn't know, all of our intros, all of our music for this podcast is done by Brent. So really, wow. really, yeah, really good guitar player. So, you know, well, you say, Brent, that you only have this one skill as a lawyer. That's you're lying. You're lying. You could be a musician. I think you could be a musician in your other life. It's or my only golfer. it's my only gainful skill. It's my <laughs> okay. only gainful skill. I think I could be a musician, but I don't think I would make a living. I'd be very, very hungry. I think that's a wonderful segue into everyone having different challenges and opportunities, uh, both in their working lives and in retirement. And, uh, you know, one of the things that even that disclaimer is, is actually helpful in uh, highlighting is the fact that this is all contextual, right? And um, if you are trying to make decisions in a vacuum, it kind of, it, it's not going to be optimized by any stretch and it may actually be harmful to you. And so, uh, you know, as I lean into today, some of the key takeaways I would love to see uh, would be want folks to think of things from multiple perspectives, making sure that things are coordinating well, um, that folks are being proactive and uh, regardless of their situation, whether you know, a C-suite executive trying to figure out their stock options, uh, you know, pension plans, union workers, retired military, small business owners, whoever you may be, 
you've got uh, challenges and opportunities and uh, outcomes matter and it's good to plan accordingly. So hopefully that sets the uh, stage for our conversation here today. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of are the first steps that someone needs to take kind of things that uh, individuals need to kind of think through when they are transitioning into retirement? You know, let's let's say they've, um, you know, they've got uh, some sort of retirement plan, whether that's an IRA or a 401k plan. And, you know, they're, they don't want to work at all anymore. Don't want to do part-time, none of that. They just want to completely have fun. Kind of what are the the steps for them to take to make sure that they can fulfill all those goals? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Rachel. I think uh, backing out, zooming out a bit is very helpful to even start. Uh, hopefully there's been quite a bit of planning gone into, again, coming back to that business owner that they've thought extensively about how they've structured their business, their exit plan, what their succession plan might look like. Maybe they were a you know, cash balance play, uh, plan in place towards the end so that they could just pile away and maybe catch up. They've got way too much of their net worth, or maybe not too much of their net worth, but a, a sizable portion of their net worth in their business. And so each person has to look at that that. Uh, you know, starting line, finishing point, however you want to look at it, um, as as something to prepare for. And so, hopefully, they've been structuring things for quite some time uh, in preparation for that. And there are questions that everybody needs to ask along the way in uh, that last, you know, five yards before you hit the end zone, so to speak, uh, before you pay dirt. Um, but there's also things that once you're in it, you need to wrestle with. And, and there's multiple phases. But I would say it begins for everybody. No matter whether you're, you know, 15, 20 years out from retirement, uh, five years in, or or towards, you know, well into retirement, you you start with an inventory. You look at those challenges, you look at those opportunities, and you try to make the most of what you have access to. And I think that's something you guys, you know, are trying to help folks do too. Is is how do we take what is and do the best we can with it? And what's the best way to to make that happen? Is a is a conversation. It's not a uh, one and done. So thoughts on that? Yeah. So when you say inventory, do you kind of mean like a like a net worth statement of, you know, here's all the assets that I have, you know, here's here's any maybe liabilities that I still have. And then these are, you know, this is where I, I want to be at. Is that kind of what you're you're talking about? Yeah. I mean it it, it that is um a summary, sure. Uh certainly assets and liabilities. Um but your income is something that we factor in. Let's say that you've got a tremendous amount of pension. If you're a former military person retired and you've got this massive TSP plus uh, pension opportunity, maybe you've retired from uh, you know, a business and you structure it in a way that a lot of your compensation comes from your rent because you own the building and uh, they've mitigated some of the taxable challenges. You just got all these income and asset things to consider uh, on top of those liabilities. But uh, yes, it begins with an inventory. What's all the in, what all the inflows and what are all the outflows and what resources do I have? Like I said, real estate, maybe it's tied to your former work, maybe it's not. Maybe you're a real estate mogul, I don't know. Um, but everybody has to take that inventory to say, okay, what, what do I have? And then ask now what? I like that. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's that's definitely something similar that we do with our clients. You know, asking them for for kind of that that net worth statement. What is their income? What are their goals for their future? If we're doing um, a lot of gifting, which this year we are, you know, we want to see 
you know, what do you have now and what are you going to need 20, 30 years down the road? And then what's kind of that, that break in between. And that's what we can gift to maybe an irrevocable trust for your children, grandchildren, things like that. And so it's really a determining what you have, what you're still going to need down the road. And then how do we get to you? How do we get to all, all your goals? So I, I definitely see the, the similarities there now. So then what about Trey for, um, specifically on kind of income planning. So, you know, if you know you're retired, you know, depending on, you know, if you've got retirement income coming in, if you, if you have real estate, you know, let's say you've got rental houses, something like that, what other kind of uh, techniques can clients use to make sure that they do have a source of income during retirement? Well, what you have in retirement has depended a lot on your working life in terms of, you know, is it something that's guaranteed? Is it something that's not? Is it something you built for yourself or something that's kind of been built in, in the structure of, of the the workings of our, of our system? So you think of Social Security, you think of Medicare, you think of various things that are, are open to most or to everyone, uh, and then things that are, are very specific to, to different situations. So two different ways that I want us to kind of bring today, at least this part of the conversation, to keep in mind, uh, kind of this mental accounting bucket. So two, let's think of it as two different frameworks. Uh, one set of buckets, think of this as like tax buckets. So you've got pre-tax, you've got taxable, you've got post-tax. So there's ways to get uh, funds in each of those buckets. And uh, you know, some of them are more effective than others. And we certainly want all of it playing nice. And depending on how many blue ties or red ties or making decisions at any given time, that, that's something that, that uh, can serve as a tool if we've got multiple options available to us. Again, a lot of this uh, planning is looking at opportunities and trying to say, all right, I've got these things, now how to make them play nice together to get the most out. So that's one set of buckets, that, that tax bucket. Um, then you've got the other bucketing structure that we often try to help people think and this is different depending on where you fall in your uh, working or retirement uh, timeline. But certainly uh, it begins with conservative money. So, you know, you can think of bucket one as money I'm going to need over the next one to 36 months. You know, maybe that's income from my job. Maybe that is uh, the Social Security plus uh, plus whatever those things are. Um it, your your moderate term, so think three years to five to seven, depending on how you lean into things, that's going to be more moderate uh, money. And that's something that uh, we structure very differently than bucket one or bucket three. So bucket three is growth. So think of that as kind of the engine that uh, refills bucket one when we need to, if you're in retirement. Uh, it's a, it serves a different purpose in accumulation, uh, meaning your working years. But um, those those two frameworks, those two sets of buckets are things that kind of help us orient to uh, at least a mental accounting um, starting point for this kind of discussion. So the, the coming back to that investment bucket thing, just to kind of give a little bit more help here. Bucket one, think of that as something that is very conservative, something that's not going to be hit hard by uh, a massive market swing, something that may even be inversely correlated to the market um, but something that's got protection to it. Typically, um, cash, cash equivalents, um, inflation protected. So you could you could think of this as treasury inflation securities, maybe cultural corporate bonds. There's a lot of ways to win, as a friend of mine 
to say, but that's your bucket. One, you're looking for something along two to six percent rate of returns what we're shooting for. So not sitting in the bank somewhere, uh, you wouldn't want three years worth of cash sitting around because you're you're hurting yourself, especially with inflation, um, you know, being more of a challenge as of late. Bucket, bucket two or or the uh, the moderate term, that is you're looking for something uh, six to ten percent rate of return. Think of this as something that. You know, most markets rebound within 18 to 24 months. And uh, if you look across asset classes, those all aren't in sync step. So, you know, that one's a very diversified approach so that you can take uh, opportunities to to reposition as things change. And um, that's true for all of these, but particularly bucket two uh, and then taking advantage of bucket three. Again, that uh, that longer term. So think, uh, I would say typically we're looking at like eight and beyond. It's just a helpful number. Um, but that's that's where you're trying to really you're trying to swing. You're trying to make contact with the ball and make it go. And um, that that is what we use to um, to really build up that portfolio over time. And so depending on how you lean into investments, depending on how much guaranteed income you have from social security or whatever other sources you have access to, that's going to dictate a lot of the level of risk that you can take in any of those three buckets and how much you uh, allocate to each of those accordingly. Because if you've got all of your needs met by recurring income sources, you can take a lot more risk than someone who, uh, you know, they're, they are truly just trying to figure out how do we make what we have last. So does that answer your question, Rach, or at least tee it up for the next one? Yeah, no, that that was a fantastic answer. That that makes perfect sense. And I think it's, you know, you explain it at the end, you know, it depends on someone's circumstances, your asset allocation between each of those buckets. Because that was going to be my next question is, well, how do you decide how much goes into each bucket? But it really depends on someone's circumstances and what kind of income they are they are going to be receiving during retirement. So yeah, that, that makes perfect sense to me. You don't want to put basically everything in a Bitcoin if all you've got is just your social security income coming in, right? That's probably a little risky, especially how we've seen it in, in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of conversation. You can be Peter Cottontail, hop down a lot of bunny trails uh, with what you just said, but you agreed 100%. Uh, you know, it's, it's really fun to think about uh, what options you have. I know a lot of people are intimidated by this conversation, but really it's, it's opportunity. And I love the way you said life 2.0. If you lean into this and you've prepared well and you uh, you have that ongoing conversation, continuing to, you know, just like you did in, in your career, you're, you're, you're evaluating, you're trying to make informed decisions. There's just so much opportunity here. Um, and just like with any of these allocations, you know, <laughs> timing and uh, context is, is very important. So, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, and it seems it seems to me that with each of those buckets, there there is an element of timing to it in terms of the time horizons. And so, depending on where somebody is chronologically in their life, uh, each one of those buckets may take on different levels of importance to them. You know, it may be more important for somebody who's mm-hmm. five years away from retirement to build up and two or three than to build up in one. But once they become retired, it may be a little bit less critical for them to say swing for the fences in bucket three and make sure that they've they've got everything lined up properly in buckets one and two. And so it it seems like it's a it's a 
it's a fluid situation. It's a it's a circumstance yeah. where people have to realize that when they when they set things up once, that's not the end of the conversation. That they have to constantly be adjusting based on their life circumstances. So true, Brent. I couldn't could have said it better myself. And uh, one of the things that is very helpful whenever you're taking that evaluation is trying to just get as many opinions as you can. Have conversations with your spouse if you have one. If you're willing to have your uh, advisors speak into that. I would highly recommend working with a skilled estate planner, you know, talking to your CPA. You're working with someone who can help with the planning and investment side of things. But uh, the best scenarios all happen when you are, or best outcomes rather, or when you are having those conversations. You're having uh, all that planning that goes into coordinating so that you can optimize outcomes. And uh, yeah, really value what you guys do and, and love working with CPAs. That is. The, the more heads in the game, the better. Hundred percent agree. So you and Brent kind of touched on this earlier, but that is, you know, life will just throw you some curveballs, and you know, <laughs> being in retirement is no different than being, you know, in your your working days and throughout your career. So you know, obviously, there's going to be different asset allocation, right? If if you've got a major um, expense that comes up, the you know, monsoon finally hit in Tucson, and now your roof needs to be repaired, and we need twenty thousand dollars to repair your roof. You know, how do you kind of manage um, the just the different curveballs that that life can give you? Is it is there more than just asset allocation or is that really kind of the name of the game? Oh, there's so much more than asset allocation. Um, you know, even tapping into the resources that you already have. Uh, man, there's just so much that you could say that could be talked about here and well beyond the scope of the conversation today. But, you know, entire industries have been restructured because of the baby boomers and, um, you know, great example uh, homes and the bulk of uh, retirees assets oftentimes is tied up in the home which is typically uh, most people think of it as a non-productive asset or at least those in my business because yes it does provide you a place to live but uh, it's it's really most parts of the country if you look at long-term trends you're, you're, you're not that's not a big growth vehicle there's a lot of expense to the upkeep maintenance um, but you know the the reverse mortgage industry uh, had a complete overhaul and uh, you know, that's a wonderful potential for some folks and in fact many if you look at a lot of studies from the American College Texas Tech all, all these different higher institutions who study these things you can leverage that asset, got enough equity in that house, and you have uh, planned well. And you're, if you're in the right time frame, it's a huge uh, asset to take advantage of. That's one example. Maybe you have after-tax investments. Maybe you've really done a great job of not only building up your retirement accounts, but you've, you've put away quite a bit of money in, in other facets. Maybe you had a business exit. All of a sudden, you just have this massive amount of after-tax money. Well, that can be leveraged as well in a similar capacity. You certainly don't want to compound a down market and pull out of something that uh, you know had just had a 20 or 30 percent haircut. Um, you know, if we have another not if when we have another pullback, it, whether it's sustained or short term, the last thing we want to do is compound the damage of that volatility. And so. Um, Thinking about how do I look at this from multiple angles? How do I get perspective on what it is I have and having enough conversations to figure out uh, what the best way to structure Because you can structure all kinds of things. I know there's a, y'all had a wonderful conversation a few months back uh, with an individual about, you know, life policies and annuity policies. 
annuities. And I'm not a tremendous fan of annuities, but there's better and worse ways to use those things. Um, but maybe you have an annuity and you're like not real happy with it. Well, <laughs> thankfully, there's there's ways to to leverage that uh, to to make the most of of what you what you have in a particular situation. Maybe you're thrilled with it. Maybe you can um, greatly reduce the expenses, or maybe you have a life policy. You had young children, but you know. Uh, you no longer have that need. Well, maybe you can use uh, that, depending on how it's structured and the type of policy. There's so many different types of uh, permanent life type policies that you you could take various, um, you know, accelerated deficits so that you can help pay for long-term care toward the end of life or hospice care. There are certain uh, addenda or certain you know, benefits to various contracts. Maybe you've got these things, and now you're saying, what do I do with it to make the most of? It? And a lot of this is buried in the fine print that, uh, you know, <laughs> it's for the protection of the consumer and for, uh, you know, the, the insurance provider, but a lot of the devil's in the details and how do you leverage what you have? And so just, I mean, man, we could just keep going here, but but looking at all the various assets, not just thinking about, you know, what do I have in my 401k or my IRA? Um, it, it's, it's how do I make the most of anything that I have access? Maybe it's your claim insurance. Your Social Security, um, you know, just meeting with somebody last week who they had the exact right strategy. The problem was is they didn't realize they had another opportunity within, uh, had an in-between step, and they were going to leave a lot of money on the table because of not understanding how spousal uh, benefits marry with their benefits, and, and how do you how do you do that well? And so, you know, Social Security claiming is another thing. Maybe it's not even a tangible asset that you have. Time, but how do I look at what I have access to? Well, and it sounds like that could be a you know talking about like things that change in life and moving from sort of phase A to phase B or or life 1.0 to life 2.0. It sounds like having that full picture and understanding all the options that you have or could have if you if you kind of position yourself in a slightly different way from where you are now, then gives you the flexibility when you have those transition moments and you're moving into another phase in life to meet the needs that you're trying to meet. Absolutely. Yep. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're even evaluating uh, any of those options, again, thinking of it as um, not just this moment, but what is this moment? How does the decision I make right now impact the next five? <laughs> um, because if, if, even if you just take your distribution strategy, which bucket do I pull from? Which asset do I pull from when? How do I, how do I coordinate these things? Um, we ran an analysis uh, earlier this year for uh, a couple that you know, just what they were planning to do versus what would be optimal. They were going to, over the next 15 years, leave about a million dollars on the table. Uh, they could have had access to performance set aside, all, all the, everything else being equal, but just because of not making the most of the taxable consideration and, uh, and what you hold where, because it's not just what you hold, it's where you hold. Uh, anyway. Yes, agreed, Rip. Anytime I can get you to agree with me, Trey, that's a good day for me. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't remember too many disagreements, but uh, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, you, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, but it does sound like as you're, you know, as you're helping clients go through this decision-making process, you know, they're they could necessarily, by definition, be making decisions that are really locking them into a particular mm. path or a particular outcome. So, how do you how do you pick and choose in the most wise way possible if you know that the thing that you're going to do is is going to set up 
fairly permanent course. So for example, if you're going to buy an annuity contract, it may not be easy to get out of the annuity contract after the fact. So you have to be pretty committed to doing it. Oh man, you couldn't have teed that up uh, in a more favorable position with this guy. Um, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, you know, annuities are a perfect example of something that is a decision made in a moment that has very long-term consequences. Let's say that you have that big after-tax bucket of money that you're selling, where uh, right now, if you have considerable gains, you're looking at uh, the current tax situation, you know, 15, 20, or possibly even 0% taxes on those dollars if you go to sell. If those are uh, gains. And also, you get to coordinate along the way. You get to harvest gains and losses, hopefully to offset those things. And you're, you're doing that regularly to be able to, to make the most of it. Well, if you roll those dollars into an annuity, um, I don't care. Just put this, the, the, the specifics of the annuity aside. It's performance. It's bells and whistles. You've all of a sudden taken money that could hypothetically be in a zero percent tax bracket up to a 20 percent tax bill. Uh, and now you've moved it guaranteed. <laughs> you, you may have guaranteed you some income, but you've also guaranteed a higher tax burden. So you've just moved it from capital gains taxes to income taxes. Well, um, that's that's a lot. That's a surprise that a lot of people don't even notice when this happened. They don't even realize what they've given up. And so before you make decisions, uh, particularly product decisions, uh, I really would hope that you would get more opinions than just the person who's selling it to you. I'm not saying annuities are bad every time, all the time. There's a tremendous amount of studies that talk about there's there, there are ways to win with those in very specific instances. Uh, maybe you have a disabled child or uh, a spouse. There, there are situations where maybe it makes sense. I think there's better ways to accomplish that even then, but, but there's a lot of proof in the pudding in terms of the outcomes that have been studied for certain uses. But as a general rule, if you're going to buy a product hoping that you're getting a lot of input into that consideration. Um, and it's, it's, it's very easy to uh, get very muddy waters really quick based on uh, a very narrow view because those illustrations are run in <laughs> certain conditions. And if you've assumed incorrectly on those, uh, those various inputs, you could be in a very different situation uh, than what you anticipated. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times this is true for uh, not just annuities, but, but life policies or uh, even a reverse mortgage. There, there's so many things that go into these product-based decisions that you need to understand. It's not just what if this happens. It's, it's what if this and this and this happens. If you bet wrong on any number of inflation, tax rates, uh, you know, I, the BUL was really popular. Uh, it still is in some circles. But you know, let's say you assume incorrectly, and at some point they start taxing the distributions that, that you take, borrowing from those policies. Maybe the death benefit's still uh, tax-free, but let's say that the things change. Well, all of a sudden, this tool that you've you've really taken a big bet on uh, comes back to bite you. And just like with the Social Security planning strategy we were talking about earlier, those are decisions that it's a one-time decision, uh, or even you know, with a four-year plan. Some of these decisions made in a moment that have ramifications that are just lifelong. Um, yeah, decisions that bind. Think of it through the lens of not just this moment, but what if. Um, and kind of think of that and, and try to pick pick people out. Maybe it's your CPA, it's your attorney, it's your advisor. 
advisor and just say, hey, somebody's proposed X to me. What do you think? Help me understand what if this goes wrong? Just that one question. What if this doesn't work as advertised? How might that happen? And what might the impact? Uh, you, a lot of people would be saved a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges. Yeah, to put it mildly, <laughs> a lot of challenges. <laughs> That's but, the compliance. I mean, to, uh, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, to I mean to to you know, I think your credit and to to the credit of of professionals like you, though, you know, people sometimes make those kinds of decisions. They put themselves in in a position that's maybe not quite as favorable as it could have been. But when they have good advisors uh, like your team, you know, those are the kinds of advisors who are going to put their best interests first and in trying to find the best possible outcome under the, under their circumstances. And hopefully then the next time they realize they have, they have the team around them to make smarter decisions and they'll, they'll run it through the right channels. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the, had a phone call yesterday from an individual who just randomly called in. They were asking about estate planning questions. And my first thing was, how do I get them to somebody before they make a decision? Because they were talking about wanting to do something with an annuity, uh, with a, another insurance product. Uh, please, let's not even start that conversation until we get these other things because it's end of life situation. And stuff. So don't, best you can, make decisions uh, well in advance and do so with uh, with qualified folks like. Rachel and Brent uh, and those who are who are very eager to excite you to help on decision. Um, you know, a lot of these decisions were made when trying to navigate transitions. And uh, I know that a lot of your business, a lot of a lot of how you serve clients is about helping them prepare for transition. And in a lot of ways, that's what we're trying to do. It's uh, one of the things that we're trying. So um, that, that's a wonderful segue into some of the, the the ways that these decisions are made. You could talk about behavioral finance and these different things, but um, yeah, sorry guys. I think the, uh, I, I went down a different track. Well, I I think the the upside. To, I mean, we've covered the risks here pretty well, and and there are absolutely risks, and any of these transitional moments can be a challenge. And there's absolutely uh, behavioral psychology that goes into how people react under those circumstances, which is uh, another topic for another day that uh, mm. we we always love to have. Um, but I think the upside is that, in fact, with good planning, people do get very good and very comfortable outcomes. And that's kind of the 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 bottom line is that when they when they're able to manage those risks properly and negotiate these difficult transitions um, and they do it in a strategic way that they actually get very good outcomes. And that's what they want. I mean, it's it's. I think it's a challenge for the professionals because we see all the risks, and that's that's the sort of thing that keeps us up at night is our our clients making um, improper or improperly informed decisions. But ultimately, you know, being able to deliver for clients so that they have a good outcome is you know something I I think you guys do routinely, and we're trying to do routinely as well. And that's that's the thing that uh, that makes me smile. Agreed. Uh, it's it's a wonderful thing to help people. To repair. You know, I have a friend who says, uh, just because you're ready doesn't mean you're prepared. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you may be ready to retire doesn't mean that you've asked the question you should, or maybe you're ready to exit your business uh, for whatever reason, uh, but are you prepared? And uh, that takes a lot of work. Uh, and uh, you can take a lot of that, mitigate a lot of the risk, take a lot of the burden off uh, so that you don't have to go get an LLM like Brent here um, to, if you, if you work with good teammates and, uh, you know, Think some common questions might actually just be very helpful through here. Uh, you know, there's there's some man, preparing for transition questions that I like to help our clients think about. 
that would love to share with you guys. Um, you know, what am I going to do in retirement? Um, answering that question is a big deal. Uh, how am I going to stay engaged mentally, physically, socially? You don't have to go far uh, looking for peer-reviewed studies to find that each of those things has a, a huge out, uh, you know, outcome, different, a uh, huge impact on the satisfaction and uh, positive outcome of people's retirement. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that most people retire not on their time frame. That's decisions that are made for them, uh, not by them. You know, it's their health. Maybe they have to take care of a family member. Maybe there's something that cha- changed with the business or merger and acquisition, employment situation. There's all kinds of factors. And if you're not thinking about those in advance, what am I going to do in retirement? How do I prepare for it? Even before those decisions come, uh, it can be a lot of a lot of decisions very quickly that may or may not be as informed as you like. Um, and you hate to be in a situation where you didn't make the decisions for yourself, those decisions to you for you. Um, and so, you know, some questions that I also like to ask is, where's the best place for me uh, to live? I think about, you know, we had two widows that I asked last year. I do this periodically. What are some of the best decisions you've ever made? And two different widows last year said, and uh, two, uh, a little horn here. The, you know, one of them was they said coming to us, but the, the other thing that I was just so encouraged by was that they had done such a great job of planning for where they would live. And uh, you know, they, their husbands passed very uh, not in the time frame they thought. They'd. And here they were um, having made decisions preemptively, maybe before they were even ready to to have a transitional uh, move. But they were thinking five years, ten years, fifteen years down the road. And you know, they were thinking about things like who's going to change a light bulb. <laughs> You know what? I'm no longer able to do that for myself. Uh, how do I get a quart of my favorite ice cream? You know, like those those things matter. Uh, what am I? Who am I have lunch with? You know, each of these things have either uh, there's a whole host of ways that you can go down, and everybody has different resources uh, that they have access to. And depending on your living situation, if you're isolated uh, in a particular situation, you could be in a bad way in a hurry if you don't have some safety nets in place. Even on those types of and um, Thinking about your what works well for where I live for me, what works well for my timing for uh, transitions. Uh, you know, there's a lot of communities that are built around these various transitions. How much of that do I do I want uh, simplified, but maybe have a little more expensive uh, to, to be done for me? Or uh, there's other options where you know I, I'm very comfortable and I've got a deep support network. And there's no right answer here. It's it's making an informed decision based on your circumstances, like so much of this stuff. Um, but you know, other questions to ask might be, uh, how do I leverage my what I, the assets into income? So what we were talking about early in the conversation, uh, you know, again, making those pensions considerations, the, uh, the investment considerations, those things are great questions to have a conversation about, okay, what's, what can I get out of what I have? Um, and how does that compare to what I know I need? You know, needs, wants, and wishes are, are different things, but understanding where you fall uh, for each of them, how do I get the most out of it? It's an important thing to think through and questions to ask yourself, significant other. But um, yeah, preparing for life 2.0 is is, uh, is is fun. It's not without its challenges. And as a friend of mine, uh, another client likes to say, you know, growing old is not for the faint of heart. Um, but uh, <laughs> you get to a lot of ways make it uh, what it is. How you What you put in oftentimes is what you get out. Yeah, I love that. 
And that's uh, yeah, it's so good for you to to remind everybody that it's it's not just the planning for the financial and investment and income side of things. It's planning for the softer sides of things, too, that you're, you have to think through. What am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Who am I going to associate with? And especially for somebody, I think, who's coming from, a you know, a transition from a life where they're very busy in, in business or a mm-hmm. job to then go into uh, retirement where that part of their life no longer exists, they should carefully think through, well, what's it going to look like for me? Of course, no one can anticipate anything. Nobody has a crystal ball. So, you know, that that it, in and of itself is going to be a, a changing circumstance as well. But uh, it's so important to remember that human side of things. It's easy to get caught up in the, the numbers and, and the money and the investing and forget about that. Ultimately, what it's, what it's meant for is to uh, support human beings doing human being kind of things. Oh, it's so true. I mean, I there's so many people that we work with. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to come alongside them. And, and it's not, you know, it, some of these people could never reasonably, rationally thinking spend some of the money they've accumulated. And the reason that they're doing that is for either peace of mind or support for a spouse. It's it's having, it's being proactive, realizing, realizing that what is today is not necessarily how things in fact, it's guaranteed that it's not always going to be the way it looks today. If you wait until uh, something changes, well, it might might be something that you're not real happy about. And I can't do a whole lot about once it has. Yep. Well, Trey, we, uh, of course, could talk to you endlessly and about many, many, many different topics Uh but we'll have to we'll have to put a pause on it here for purposes of the podcast. Can't cannot thank you enough uh, for lending your time and expertise with us. If people are trying to find you, how is the or what is the best way for them to find you? Yeah, thanks, Brent. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Rachel, as well. Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is is by email. I would say simplest. T as in Trey, Andrew A N D R E W at Carson C A R S O N Wealth. T Andrew at Carson There'll be an auto reply on there that will respond with a, a link to my calendar. And if that's easy, they can just throw something on there, or we could certainly uh, Sally's happy to coordinate. She's the master commander of my calendar. Uh, she's happy to respond to. Yeah, excellent. And of course, we'll uh, we'll put your contact information in the show notes so people can. Find that information there. Uh, Trey, as usual, it's been a pleasure. And thank you again very much for your time. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information. And I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us reviews. uh, Subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about. And also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law, basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much.